session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, studio number 3104410555. Before I get started with the show, I wanted to, to announce the book of the week again. It is The Developmental Science of Early Childhood by Claudia M. Gold. Uh, the Developmental Science of Early Childhood, Clinical Applications of Infant Mental Health Concepts from Infancy Through Adolescence. And as I mentioned Monday, the, the book is geared towards practitioners and clinicians, but uh, I think if you're a parent or soon-to-be parent, you'll still get things out of the book. I'm about maybe not even a quarter of the book through, but um, it's very rich with a lot of things to pay attention to. So I think it's a good read for anyone, not just someone who who's either a doctor or a, a psychologist or therapist. You can get a lot out of it. So that's the book I'll be talking about on Monday's show. And speaking about uh, infant mental health, um, I read an article recently, and this is a topic that gets studied from time to time, which is on baby talk, or what we sometimes will call mother ease, or more scientifically, infant-directed speech. But this is the way that we find, especially moms, but actually it's moms and dads, talking to babies, which seems to come out naturally, uh, and is filled with a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you know, it's like, boogie, 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 that kind of a thing. The baby talk that we do that sometimes comes out naturally as soon as you see a kid, it turns out there's a reason why it might come out so naturally, because it is actually good for the child. Uh, there's been a lot of research on this, and I saw a recent article in the Washington Post looking at how mother ease, and as it's called, or this infant-directed speech and baby talk, is easier for the child to understand and also to it highlights differences in speech in a better way that makes it easier for the child to understand so we might think of it as silly or sometimes people think oh why are you talking that way to your kid or maybe even like it's like you're talking down to your kid sometimes you've maybe heard this term infantilizing your kid like making them a baby but there seems to be benefits to it and they notice that it's not just these ups and downs that change, but also the, the quality of the, the way that moms speak, or it's called the timber, T-I-M-B-R-E. Um, the way you could understand timber is if you have two different instruments, let's say a piano and a violin, play the same note, even though they're playing the same note, the quality of the sound will be different. There's a change in the quality of the tone. And so this is what they actually noticed when they uh, analyzed mothers doing baby talk, that they actually also have a different tone that they use or they switch to when they're 
uh, talking to their babies. So it's kind of interesting. And also in the same study, they had a group of non-English speaking mothers, and they found that this same shift in timber was uh, consistent in nine diverse languages, everything from Spanish and French to Mandarin, Cantonese. Uh, They saw that mothers were doing this basically all over the world or in different languages. So there really does seem to be something universal and in that way natural about talking to babies in this way. So when you are talking to your baby and you feel like talking to them in that way, don't feel embarrassed or think it's silly. It's actually very important and can help the baby in in learning and connecting with you. So um, thought that was interesting. And I I want to shift... Uh, to something a little bit darker, which I know talking about baby talk seems really nice and cute, but it's also related to kids. Uh, I saw an article on this, and it's a topic that comes up these days, and that is active shooter drills that are happening at schools. Um, Any parent may be hearing about this. They're becoming more and more common uh, where they're doing active shooter drills, basically, practicing what they would do in case there was an active shooter at their school. And um, a lot of it can involve uh, getting under their desks or barricading themselves in a way and then becoming very quiet, so not making any sounds, so that maybe the shooter won't know there's anyone in that room. Um, And this might seem like a good thing to become more prepared, but we do have to look at the consequences of these types of drills. Well, first, we have to also look at the benefits. Is it actually helpful in any way? And we probably don't know yet. Does this make schools more prepared? Does it make it so they're better able to respond? Um, That is not going to be known. Maybe it's more important just for staff to know what to do in case of any kind of emergency, but including this type of an emergency, the kids maybe don't need to get involved. Um, In the article I read, it was talking about how with the younger kids, they'll tell them that this is in case a bear comes to the school, Uh, but a lot of the kids can kind of see through this, especially the older that they get. Uh, But there is consequences to this because anytime we think about a tragedy happening or we practice for it to happen, it makes us feel like it's more likely to happen than it actually is. And that is a problem because it could take away the sense of safety that kids have in general, but especially when they're at school somewhere where we want them to feel safe. And of course, this is a complicated issue because that's a lot of what people have been talking about, that kids should have the right to feel safe and these shootings make it so they don't feel that way, which I think is important to look at the various aspects of that issue. But we do have to wonder, is it helpful to have these active shooter drills and what effects it has on the kids. Some could also argue this might be uh, the administration's ways, the schools and you know the school districts trying to say, look, we're doing everything we can to show parents that we're doing something. So in a way, covering themselves, that we are being responsible. But we do have to be aware of if it's really responsible or not, because we are making kids very afraid of something that, although it's way too common, unfortunately, here in the United States, We hear about several shootings at schools, I'd say a year, probably way more. I know there's smaller ones, but we hear about these bigger ones um, several a year. So there are many of them. So don't get me wrong. I think it is a big issue. But when you consider, I I Googled it before the show, there's something like 130,000 schools in the United States. So still the likelihood that anything will ever happen at a particular school is low, which is good. So that makes us wonder, well, what's the risk? 
and what's the benefit? Because you can do everything. We can do in case there's lightning and it hits you and you catch on fire, what are you going to do and have a whole drill for the kids to practice this and, and freak them out and now they're scared when it's raining to go outside or to be you know around the rain. So we have to think of what is the benefit and also what is the negative effect. And some kids shared their experiences as they got older of doing these drills and the way they, they felt unsafe all the time and the change the way that they did feel. Uh, so I don't have a recommendation on this yet because I don't know how schools are doing this, if they make it mandatory because maybe some parents don't want their kids to be there and I could understand that. I know I've heard a lot of parents posting on social media about how sad it is to get the note that says they're going to do an active shooter drill at their kid's school and just to think that this is something that feels like has to be done now is very heartbreaking. So, um, you know, it is a complicated issue and we have to still figure out what we're doing or what we're going to do about that. But this also extends to how you talk to your kids in general. There is always this balance between promoting safety and awareness, but also at the same time instilling fear or losing a sense of safety, which you have to be aware of. So you can talk to your kids about strangers and about things that can happen, but if you make them really afraid to even be outside, it's gone too far and there's consequences. I've also talked several times something that I think is very important, that you can talk to your kids about sexual abuse. And the way even you bring this up is less about saying there are these people out there that are going to try to do this to you, but rather more talking to them about their bodies and how they always are in control of their bodies. They always have the say in what happens to their bodies. So if someone touches them in any way they don't like, even a family member, even mom or dad, they always have that right to tell that person that I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how you're touching me and please stop. And you also let them know that if anyone ever touches you in a way that you don't like, you always can tell mom and dad about that. And the reason why we say that is because unfortunately, oftentimes people who are predators will tell the kids that if you tell your parents, I will either hurt them or I'll hurt you or something bad is going to happen. And you want to make sure that they know that that's never going to be the case, that if they tell you, you'll, they'll be okay and you'll protect them and they don't have to keep that secret with that person. Um, but so that's one issue I want to make sure because I've talked about this before. I wouldn't want someone to think that by me saying these active shooter drills might be a bad thing, that talking to your kids about those dangers of sexual abuse or making them aware of their body and the control and responsibility that they're allowed to have on that, that's to me is very different. Something that should be talked about and kids should be aware of because it has more implications than just uh, sexual predators. It's also about respecting their body, knowing their body, having control over themselves and awareness over them as well. So being a parent is tough. There's so many challenges and things to worry about. And I know for any parent, when they hear about a, a shooting at a school, of course, the first thing they think of is what if it was at my kid's school and how scary that thought is. And so a natural reaction is to then go and say, we have to prepare in certain ways. And of course, more than just active shooter drills, we've talked about teachers being armed and turning schools into things that look almost like prisons so no one could come in. And and obviously there's negative consequences to that that I don't agree with at all. But these things still uh, remain up for discussion and conversation, and I hope we continue to have those conversations. But it's important for us to recognize and think about 
what are the consequences of the changes that we are making. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. In the first segment I was talking about a few issues related to parenting and uh maybe want to talk about something I've mentioned before but I wanted to talk about again that parenting is one of those things where people always have questions about and they always want to know what to do and what's the right way to do it and often we're looking for techniques which I understand and I think is important and there are there's a lot to learn um, but one thing I'd like about this book that I've been reading so far that I'll talk about Monday uh, by Claudia Gold the developmental science of early childhood is that she emphasizes listening as she's herself a, a pediatrician but even a psychologist and psychiatrist and also medical doctors to listen to the parents and to get more information out of them because i think in general the concepts we're looking at are a lot more complicated than just if a child is expressing s x symptom or behavior this is the solution every time there's a lot more that we want to look at and understand a child is having a hard time sleeping yes there's definitely techniques and patterns and things that we want to do but we also want to understand what's going on in the home to decide what's the best way to approach the situation is there more stress in the home than before is there more conflict than there was before there's a lot of things that can be affecting the child's sleep so rather than just focusing on what works and that's the thing people are looking at we want to understand the problem more rather than just the what we want to know the why and so this brings me to um, another thing you see a lot in parenting, which is that idea of, well, this works. And that's what I hear a lot of parents say, especially when it comes to using what we can maybe call the old school, traditional styles of parenting, which involve things like punishment and fear and being harsh and things of that nature. And I'm still blown away um, that you'll see a lot of things online, people posting you know, if a kid misbehaves, they say, oh, that kid didn't get slapped enough as a kid or didn't get enough spankings. And this idea that spankings and hit and getting beat are ways to instill respect in a child, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this concept or this idea of what works, because works is a very uh, complex concept. It's not just about one thing. And so the example I like to use is if you were to ask someone or ask two parents that have a kid who's studying for a test and one says that they tell their kid, I let him know that if he doesn't get an A tomorrow, he's going to get a beating when he gets that grade back. And the other parent, parenting from love, makes the child feel loved, appreciated, encourages them to study and that learning is good and that they should want to learn and all these good qualities and that they say let's see what they do the next day now both kids might get an a and the parent who uses the fear and uses the aggression and uses the threat will say look my method works the kid got an a what else do i have to say about that that's the result um but that's the problem with looking at things in too short term a view and not looking at all the consequences of the action because that child who is told 
they would get a beating if they didn't get an A, is going to feel have a lot of reactions other than just the A that they got. To begin with, they're going to experience a lot of fear and anxiety. Now, that might fuel them in that moment to get that A that time, but what else does that teach them? Well, first of all, teach them to fear their parent or to be afraid of them, to no longer feel a sense of safety and security when it comes to their parent or a feeling that they can rely on them or go to them if they need them or need some kind of support. So it damages the relationship between the child and the parent. The parent is going to be different in that child's eyes going forward. Now, of course, this is assuming never had the parent done something like this before. Likely it's going to be a pattern, but just assuming it was the first time, this is going to create a shift and it's going to damage that relationship. Not only that, what are you teaching the child about doing work? You're basically showing them that doing work is something that you do out of fear of punishment, not because you enjoy doing it or it's good to learn or you want to learn or it's good to try your best or um, you have so much potential and we want you to reach that for yourself so that you can benefit from it. You're teaching them that you do things to prevent punishment. And that's the reason. It's completely extrinsic and it's to avoid punishment. And what that means is the child learns that if you can do other things rather than doing the work, you should do them as long as you can avoid the punishment. So they learn to be motivated by avoiding punishment, avoiding the bad, rather than motivated by doing good or doing good things. And so when you do this, the child doesn't internalize this feeling that learning is good. I want to learn. I want to accomplish more. I want to do good things. They just realize or learn that you do things to avoid punishment. And that can mean cheating or lying at other times too, as long as you can get away with it. But it doesn't promote good things and good qualities. So although in that short-term moment, it seems to have worked to use the fear and the punishment, we have to be aware of the negative consequences this has. It also sends this message that you are not good and lovable just by being yourself. Because if you get an A, you avoid a punishment. But if you don't, you get a beating. So what does that affect on the self-esteem of that child? How good do they feel about themselves at the core? And we're sending them the message that you have to perform in order to be loved, or even in this case, perform to not get abused and not get hit. So yes, you can say it works in the short term, but we have to think about the long-term consequences. Same thing with using threats in other ways. If you don't do this right now, I'm going to hit you. And you say, oh, look, the kid did what I said. Isn't that good? But our job as parents, although, yes, it's very stressful and you have to manage a lot of things and there's scheduling and things you need to do that make life very stressful and you sometimes really want the kids to do what you want to do when you want them to do it, but they are their own beings. They are their own person and they have their choice to make of what they want to do. And we have to recognize that and respect that. You don't own your children. You owe your children, meaning that you don't possess them as in they're your possession, but you owe them as in you've brought them into this world and you're responsible to take care of them and give them what they need to grow and develop. So you have to give them that. So this idea of what works to me is very crucial for us to be aware of, that as a parent, you have to take both a short-term and long-term approach at the same time. So by that, I mean, you have to be able to be in the moment with your kid. If your child is 
in kindergarten, they come home and they're sad because the teacher said they got a bad grade on their assignment. Now, if you take the fully short-term approach, you can get too sucked into this feeling of how sad they are and how you know upset they are, and we're going to go talk to this teacher and fix it immediately because I don't want my kid to feel sad. That can be a problem if you get too sucked into the short-term uh, of what's going on. If you get too focused on the long-term, you can also tell yourself, well, who cares? It's kindergarten. It doesn't matter what your grades mean and you can become completely careless and not make your child feel like you understand them you validate their feelings you're with them in that moment but what you want to try to do is balance both have both approaches at the same time you can recognize that this really made your child sad that they got a bad grade or bad comments or didn't do well on some assignment and their teacher gave them that feedback and that doesn't feel good so you could empathize with them and be there with them while at the same time not getting so sucked into that emotion by recognizing okay this is a kindergarten assignment it's not a big deal it's going to be okay and i know that and i'm going to give my child that feeling that it matters but it's going to be okay so you have to be able to have both mentalities at the same time but very often as parents, we can get so stressed out in the moment that because we just want something to go the way we want it to go right now, we'll almost do anything to, to take care of the situation. And this is one of the challenges of parenting. Sometimes parents will create boundaries. They say, okay, we're going to have a new rule. No more TV after 7 p.m. on weeknights, on school nights. And hopefully if you do it right, you're going to come up with that rule with your kid and make it a collaborative effort. And now we have this new rule. Now, you might try to enforce that rule that first night and the kid starts to react. And they start to yell or scream or they start to tantrum. And this is the test that parents have to face where very often they've set this rule. They know the importance of boundaries and structure. and They want to make things work and to have this boundary for their child. But now they're getting really stressed out and their kid is making all this noise and they don't know what to do. And of course, very often parents will just say, okay, let's just let him watch TV. What's the big deal of one night? And yes, on one hand, again, going back to that short term and the long term, one night of watching TV late is not a big deal. But when you set up a boundary and when you set up a rule with your child and you make it known that this is important and this is the structure that we're going to have, and then you break that structure, that does send a message to your child that, rules and boundaries don't really exist or they don't matter or even worse than that they might exist but all you have to do is push hard enough and then you get what you want anyway and so this is the problem that a lot of parents have is they'll set these boundaries and the child will get upset and they say no and the child gets more upset and they say no and then finally when the child gets so crazy and tantrums they'll say okay and unfortunately, this reinforces even a worse behavior that it's not just about challenging the rule. You have to go through, through a crazy extreme to then get what you want. And the child can learn that. Now, at the same time, we know that parents have to balance flexibility also. So if there's something that happens, maybe you do break a rule here and there. And I get that what I'm saying can sound contradictory, but this is the balance that we all have to try to achieve in various areas of our life. You can create structure in your life and say, every morning I'm going to do this, but something could happen one morning where you can't do your routine and we have to be flexible enough to accept that sometimes forcing ourselves to do the same routine might actually be a problem. It might be a bad thing. So balancing flexibility and structure 
is another challenge that parents have that is one that is a case-by-case basis. I can't always tell you to break the rule or not to break the rule. It's something that you have to look at. But coming back to this issue of what works with your kids, because to me this is really important. Because I hear things online or people will tell me, uh, you know, that hitting your kids is okay or actually is beneficial, I have to just mention again how clearly the research tells us that this isn't true even when it comes to spanking, because some people will say spanking is okay, that all of these things have negative effects and they are not necessary. And when we parent using fear and punishment, we have a lot of negative consequences. The thing that makes it difficult is that when we try to discipline using love, it takes a lot more time, more patience, and more effort to get it done. And for a lot of parents, they are not willing to put in that effort. But for me, taking the route of fear and punishment, yes, some people believe in it as being the right way, I understand. But oftentimes, it's the easier way out. It's doing it the more quick way. I'm not going to connect with my kid that much, but in the one moment, I can threaten him or threaten her, and they'll do what I want, at least in that moment. And we think, well, that's the right way. But to genuinely parent your kids with love, it's going to take a lot more time. It's going to take a lot more attention. It's going to take a lot more effort. But it's going to have a lot more positive effects long term, both on your child and on your relationship with them. So please don't take the shortcuts. Take the long route, which involves love and showing them that you care and that you can discipline using love. You don't need to use fear and punishment. There's no need to instill those things in your kids. All right. We reach our next commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, doctor. Hi. Uh, sounds a little bit low. Okay. All right. Um, I have a question regarding 14-year-old that I have, and she's a freshman right now. Okay. And um, I have noticed that uh, at the sleepover she had in friend's house, she had snuck out like two times, which we caught her the second time. And um, she was grounded, and then I noticed that she's been smoking jewels, which is electronic uh, cigarettes, something like this. And then uh, she told me that she had even tried uh, weed, like marijuana. And that was only once, and she liked it. She's not going to do it again. And she's still friend with now, the girl and the boy who, you know, was with her and joined her, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So now I don't know what I have to do. I cannot force her, you know, and stop her uh, from being friends with those kids. And I cannot follow her everywhere. And, of course, um, I'm not ready to let her have sleepover again. So I need some suggestions from you, you know, something that yeah, is going to be good for me and beneficial for her. Okay. So um, when you say, was the sleepover at your house? No, at okay. the friend's house. 
No, she has only a couple friends that I trust, and she's been, you know, sleeping over at their house, and they've been sleeping over at my house. And then after this happened, she's not sleeping over anywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to tell her then you're not friends with them, you know, because right. of what you did. Mm -hmm. Well, so tell me a little bit about the family. Do you have any other kids? Yes, I have a... Um, Twelve-year-old as well. Okay, is that a son or daughter? It's another girl. Okay, so two girls. Yeah. Okay, and um, are you with the father of the kids? Are you guys still together? Yes, we are together. Yes. Okay, so how are things at the home right now, as far as between you and him? How are, how is everything going on there? You know, everything happened like two two, two or three months ago. So we have been a little hard on her, you know, she was, it was good, it was at, um, you know, um, Christmas break, so she was home, she did not have contact with anybody, you know, I would take her phone away. After, you know, like a couple weeks, I said, okay, here's your phone back, we're going to trust you again, but you have to earn the trust, you know. She's not allowed to have a sleepover anywhere, you know, I try to give her lots of love, my husband wasn't really hard on her, especially when she uh, volunteered to tell me about marijuana, you know. Mm -hmm. So I want her to trust us again, trust me again. So I couldn't be that hard. Um, all I did, took her to her primary doctor. They did some, you know, blood work and um, urine tests about drugs, which was negative, and she was surprised about this. <laughs> but, um, you know... In general, we're all good, you know, there is no problem, we, we still trust her, she goes to the gym, and I know those kids, they go to the gym with her, so, um, you know, everything is fine, and uh, she knows that she has to earn, you know, the trust again, but we don't know what we have to do. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you know, as you've mentioned yourself a few times, you can't stop her from being friends with someone or seeing them even to a degree i mean you can say you can't have a sleepover maybe and that that's maybe makes sense but if she goes to the gym or she goes places or of course at school she's going to see uh the people she wants to see and so for me it's always there's things you guys can maybe do but it's focusing on the relationship that you guys have so how is the relationship that you have with her and that she has with her dad with her dad usually she doesn't say anything to him you know everything is to me and sometimes he gets hard on her you know and she doesn't like her his attitudes and stuff like this but I try to you know um, be close to her and whatever he needs to know I go and tell him you know um, I like to be in the middle so you know I see her comfortable with me and then, you know, I report everything to my husband and I get help, you know, to become with idea and, you know, about like this. So she is very close to me. Okay. Um, and, you know, being that she's a girl, maybe she feels more comfortable with you and opening up to you. So that, that can make sense. But at the same time, we want to make sure you and her dad feel like a unit as far as that the parental unit needs to be strong so that she sees you guys together in that sense but maybe she's more comfortable opening up to you but obviously and we would expect this as a teenager she's going to tell you not everything um she wasn't telling you a lot of what was going on because there's the sneaking out of the house and there's uh, smoking weed and things that she told you after the fact but maybe she doesn't tell you so much right 
Yeah, okay. And that's something that we have to expect, that she's not going to tell you everything as she gets older, and we have to accept that and give her that space even to do that. Now, you might say there's things we're not okay with, like, you know, sleeping over and sneaking out of the house and those kinds of things. What was her reaction to you telling her she can't have sleepovers or go to sleep? Um, she doesn't like it. She doesn't like it, but um, we accepted that her friend who she was sleeping at her house, come over and sleep over at my place, but she's not going at her house, you know, for, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't say for how long, but she accepted that as long as she can come sleep over at my house and, um, you know, they can have their time together. Okay. But so you said she didn't like it, but what was her reaction? Did she get angry? Did she get upset? No, no, she said, you're right, Mommy. Okay. I just broke the rule, and, you know, I deserve it. That's what she told me. Okay, so it seems like she's fairly reasonable. She's... Exactly. Not, which is good. How is she doing overall in other areas of her life, like, for example, school? She's doing very good at school. She's fine. She has all A's, mm -hmm. and um, she is such a... She has such a strong personality. She is so kind and um, positive, I, I think. Is good overall, you know. Okay. So all that being said, what's your what's your major concern or question going forward? My question is what do I have to do as long as I know that she is still friend or they are her best friends, you know. Mm -hmm. I know that she goes to the gym, she spends time with them, you know. She's at school, uh, you know, like you said, she's going to see whoever she want to see, you know. Mm -hmm. I cannot stop her, but how should I talk to her? How much freedom I have to give her? You know, uh, all I told her, you know, I know all the stuff that you did. It was so wrong, but I'm not going to be with you, you know, 24 hours. So I want you to make smart decisions, mm -hmm. you know. So I don't know if that was right, I told her, or it was wrong, but I don't know anything else. I, yeah. I don't know what else I have to do. Well, I mean, you know, in a way, there's not so much you can do other than for me, it's always focusing on what is in your control, which is your relationship with her and maintaining that, keeping that strong, making sure she knows you love her and you're there for her. Yeah. But, you know, she's probably going to experiment or try with try these types of things some more. And the truth is you really can't stop her because she's going to do, you know, you even described herself described it yourself as her having a strong personality she's going to do what she's going to want to do now you can set limits for example at the sleepover and it seemed like she responded okay with that yeah almost anyone doesn't like having a limit being placed on them but she could understand it and she respected that uh but as far as trying to control her or make her do or not do things there isn't a lot you can do i would just Focus on the good things that she does and are going on in her life and promote those or encourage her more in those ways to make sure she's on top of those things. Um, but the other thing she's going to want to do, she's going to, to try and if you try to sit down and convince her not to do something or that she shouldn't do something, it might not go might not go so far anyway. So I would just focus on your relationship and also your husband's relationship with her. And keeping that strong, and we got to just let uh, her do I what she's doing. I can't do anything about that part. Um, he is just—he uh, has different mentality, you okay. know. So, and um, 
my daughter doesn't believe everything that he says. You know, I'm the same way. He's such a nice guy, but at the same time, he has beliefs, and uh, we don't believe it. You know, but um, I can't promise about that. I cannot get her close to my husband. You know. Mm -hmm. He has to try, you know. Well, that's true, yeah. As I was saying before, you have control over your, and even partial, because it's two people, but control over your relationship with her, but not their relationship. But when you say you guys see things differently, in what ways? Um, I don't know. It's, it's totally different. He, he is way older than I am. And um, he, I don't know. I can't, I can't really say that much, but it's, it's different, you know. The way that I talk to my daughter, calm her down, it's different than when he starts talking, even if he uh, doesn't mean anything but make her angry, you know. Hmm. Um, so that's how it is. Okay. But when you say makes her angry, is it more that he's more harsh with her or he's more, he's not as understanding to what she has to say? I don't know. Um I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just it's just different way of seeing, you know, stuff. It's just different way of thinking about stuff. I feel like I I think about everything like more the way that she is looking because we are like twenty part twenty years away, you know, me and my daughter and my husband's way older. How much older is your husband than you? Twenty. He's twenty years older than you? Yes. Okay. Wow, so that's so he's about so, sixty you know, right now. The way that he sees the stuff, it's just like the way my parents would see. You know, uh, it's totally different. They are very close. They they you know love each other, but when it gets to talking and calming her down, I am usually more helpful than he is. You know, mm -hmm. he might get her more frustrated. I don't know why, but that's how it is. Okay. So it seems like, if, is there also a part of him that he's more distant, like he doesn't think he should be clo so close to her? Well, what? I didn't... Like, I mean, because you said he has a different mentality than you have. Is it also that he doesn't get that close to the kids, or he doesn't want it, he doesn't think a, a father's role is to be very close to them? Um, no, he doesn't think that way. It's just... I don't know. I, it's hard for me to explain it because it's, it's I don't know, it's okay. hard to... Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, that age difference is, that's a big age difference. It's the same age difference you have with your daughter. So if I'm getting the math right, you're about 40 and he, or you're about, um, sorry, 30, 34 and he's 54? Mm -hmm. I'm 37. Okay. And he's about 57? Yeah, so I mean, you know, that that's a big age gap between you and him, and then it makes a huge age gap between him and your daughter. Yeah. So, you know, he sees things differently, and maybe it is hard for them to connect. But this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, that you and him being a, a parental unit is important for me, and it seems like you guys don't have that. So along with strengthening your relationship with her and maintaining that, you and him being more on the same page more connected and him being more connected to her and that whole system being stronger, that can also help in the situation also. Mm -hmm. But I get the feeling you don't see him as wanting to change. I don't know. I just don't want to be, you know, mean and say he doesn't want to change. Sometimes I can see it that I don't want to change. 
you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to be selfish and say it's all his, but okay. it's just it's just different. We are in the same page, but we see it in a different way. You know, we make the decision finally both together, and we agree on it. We don't have any issue with it at all. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the way of talking to girls is just easier for me to understand them and connect with them. You know, than him. So. It's always been that way, and it is that way. But we don't, yeah. we don't, and most of the part, we don't have any issue to agree in one decision, you know. Yeah, well, the decisions are important, but also just like the way you're, you guys are communicating. So to me, this is something important for you to look at and, and to talk to him about. And I think you brought up a good point. It's not about him just being wrong or not wanting to change and you being right, but coming together. I know you're saying you think you see things on the same page, but it seems like you don't really often agree on how to interact with your daughter and that's part of it so you might agree that okay no sleepovers and that's good that you guys are in agreement about those things but i think it goes deeper than that in how you guys communicate and, and relate to her and that's important because the stronger she feels a tie to you guys the less likely she's going to feel relying on her friends completely to make her feel good and mm-hmm. as an adolescence of course there is going to be some of that you guys become less important to her and her peers are supposed to become more important. But we don't want it to feel like there's not a lot at home, so she needs even more from outside. And that's from you and your husband being more connected on the same page, aligned in the way you're communicating with your daughter. And even the way you keep saying it, I know you say he's around or or you don't make it seem that he's distant. I still think the way you talk about him is that he just kind of comes in and says a few things, but he's not really connected to your daughter or daughters deeply and that might be his mindset or the way he approaches it but you might need to talk to him about that that you want him to be more involved and you did bring up a good point maybe you don't want to change maybe you do like having more control with him not being in the picture as much but that's going to have negative effects too okay okay so that is that is something that we are going to you know work on it but as long as, you know, dealing with the kids, especially the 14-year-old, I want to make sure everything that I'm doing and we are doing and decisions that we're making is right. And I don't have to have any control, you know, really over her because she's going to soon mm-hmm. have her own car and drive around, you know. So yeah. That's the main thing that I, I needed to ask you and make sure that everything we're doing is right and, you know, you're not doing anything wrong here. Well, you know, it's hard for me to say that everything you're doing is right. And I know I'm not saying something you're doing is necessarily wrong, but these things, it's, you're going to, yeah, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. That's just the way it's going to be anyway. But you, you can't control her, like you said, and the older she gets, the less control or even influence you're going to have. So it's more about having a good relationship with her, trying to promote good values and things in the home and the way you live your life, that she sees that. And then she's going to have to make hundreds and thousands of decisions on her own that you'll have nothing to do with that you just have to hope that she makes uh good ones and even she's going to get it wrong sometimes too but that's part of growing up and so you want to give her that space and just leave it at that but i would focus on you and your husband and your relationship and then also that that side of things rather than on specifically what you do with her yes we are working on that part okay good we are going and seeing counselors oh good okay good um, as you said, you know, this is very important, you know, um, so we are working on that part. Okay, good. That's one of the best things you guys can do for your kids is to make your marriage happier and stronger. So I'm glad you guys are doing that. Okay. Thank you so 
Nice talking. You have a great day. All right. right, Bye-bye. All right. Going into our next commercial break, studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delacqui. We'll be right back. back studio number three one zero four four one zero five 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 let's go to another caller radio hamra you're on the air yes hi hello thank you for calling uh may i speak to dr holakwi please yes you're talking to, this is dr fatty holakwi oh okay how are you <laughs> i'm good how are you okay uh, would you like me to speak in Farsi or English is fine? No, English know. English is actually preferred, so go, go right All ahead. All right, great, great. Um, uh, I don't know how much time I have. I'm just going to, you know, uh, get to the point. Okay. Uh, I'm 65 years old. I uh, got married when I was like 19 years old. I was uh, first year of the college in the uh, United States. I came, my father was well off, and, and he sent me and my brother uh, to United States to go to college, and you know, I got married. It was I didn't know my um, husband that well, and uh, so you know how it is. Sixty-five years, uh, you know those days, and you know, and I lived a very sheltered life um, with my parents and everything. But they were very, very good parents. I had very, very excellent um, childhood and everything. But and. Um, I'm the oldest of, uh, I have uh, two younger brothers, and um, so, and my husband was 10 years older than me, <laughs> and uh, uh, we didn't have anything in common, but uh, because um, I got uh, pregnant with my son, and um, so I had to stay because I couldn't, you know, um, kind of like afford myself of my son. Uh, to get divorced, and uh, I stayed in the marriage. I worked very hard, very hard, and I had a good job. So um, my son is a scientist right now. He works at NASA, and I paid for all the, you know, everything for, for him. My husband didn't even, you know, bother even to ask him what his uh, education, what he's doing, or, well, whatever. Okay. He passed away about, like, three or four months ago, hmm. and um, we, uh, he never could uh, satisfy me in bed, and um, so now I, I'm 65 years old, and I'm fighting with the urges that I have, and I'm kind of like um, ashamed of the urges that I have, but I don't know what to do with it. Is there any kind of medication to take care of this? Problem or not. <laughs> so are the urges you're saying sexual urges? Yes. yes. Okay. And I'm kind of like, you know, take a shower and, you know, go to swimming pool, swim for two hours. And, you know, I have a lot of uh, ladies' friends my age. We go to lunch, you know, every other week. And I'm, you know, in 
like you know, water aerobics with them every day and you know and I really don't want to get into any um, you know any kind of uh, relationship tell you the truth mm-hmm. because um, I that marriage wasn't successful with me and uh, I was very as I told you I was very in, in shelter life and I thought that all men are like my father very loving husband loving father and my mom was the only child and um, whoever that we had contact with was was with my father's you know um, like brothers and sisters and they were all were loving husbands and loving fathers and I thought that everybody is like that and um, come to you know to the shop that my husband didn't have that and uh, probably you know I expected too much everybody is different but um, in a way uh, Right now, I'm free. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things going on. Obviously, um, you know, three to four months is not a long time after what maybe yeah, forty forty six years of marriage. So you you probably still have to grieve this loss of the. Uh, I am grieving. Okay. Although that you know, I never loved my husband, but uh, he was a he was a good man. He was a quiet man. He wasn't he didn't have anything out of our marriage. You know, whenever. He he didn't have anything, any extra, you know. So you're, 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 okay, we couldn't hear you well for a moment there. Um, Okay, yeah, so you still need to mourn that loss. I mean, 46 years or so of marriage is a long time, so that's going to take some some time. And you you said yourself this word of being free, and maybe so some of even your desires or your, you know, things you want, you might feel that now you can have them or meet those needs or those those desires but you shouldn't i don't think you need to feel guilty for those you mentioned that before that you don't feel good about having those desires what what do you feel bad about regarding having sexual desire sweetheart i'm a grandma (laughs) that's okay well that's okay there's it doesn't mean that you know that's actually a misconception people often have is that as people get older, they they don't have sex anymore. They don't want sex, and they might have a decrease in libido. But it doesn't mean that that older adults are not sexually active. So well, because you know, my husband was sick for about like nine years, mm-hmm. and before that, we we didn't have any contact. Like probably about like fifteen, sixteen years. Wow, no sex for yeah. fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, he was sick, and, yeah. and you know. And then you know, whatever. <laughs> okay. So, so when you say you know, but going back to that, I know you're saying because you're, uh, you said I'm a grandma, but why is it wrong for you to have sexual desire? I don't know that I'm old-fashioned, probably. Yeah. I, well, there's probably I'm some of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, doctor. I'm not religious at all. Okay. I don't even believe in God. <laughs> okay. Even, and although even in and even not being religious. Because you were likely brought up in a culture that was very religious and very judgmental about, especially for a woman having sex, you probably not internalized religious, that. But yeah, yeah, judgmental, yeah. yes, but yeah. not religious. Right, so yeah. I mean, it's still, and you know, even if it's not religious, it's partially, a, the religion has is a big part of the culture, even if sure. your family was not. Sure. So it, it seems that you might have these these feelings that for you to have sexual desire 
at any age, but now you're adding the age part, but that you feel bad that you even have that desire when it is a natural human desire for you to have. And I would hope you don't feel any guilt. It doesn't make you bad at all to have that, that feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling bad. I just okay. don't want to have it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like distraction. <laughs> okay. I want to just, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I, if there is any kind of pills or any kind of, you know, anything. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any, there's nothing I know of like that. I mean, an interesting is thing is. Anything, you know, <laughs> like, um, I don't know, something like Viagra that, you know, does. Like like a reverse Viagra, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about. I don't know of, of anything like that. There, it might exist. Um, you know, it's interesting. Antidepressants sometimes. Sometimes the side effects of some drugs ha- do that, but uh, reduce libido. But I don't think it's something you need to necessarily get rid of. Um, you know, of course, there is always masturbation that you could take care of it on your own as well. If you don't want to meet anyone else at this time because you don't feel ready to to date, um, you could do that. Uh, is that something you have tried? No. Okay. Well, and that <laughs> have you ever tried that even when you know before was it something you ever did? No, I didn't. Okay. So I'm 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 saying that, you know I'm old fashioned. I don't even touch myself. <laughs> yeah, and that is that is part of the old fashioned. A lot of people have uh you know I've I've heard from many people especially from women they'll say that they think that to masturbate is somehow bad because it shows this, again, because sexual desire for the woman is somehow equated with being immoral or unethical or a bad person. So there's this feeling that wanting it or doing that to masturbate is a negative thing when it definitely is not. So um, I would hope you are would be open-minded to that, but it seems like definitely there are a lot of things you're holding on to from the old and, you know, you got married almost as a kid 19 you were barely an adult so you didn't really get to experience being an adult on your own and here you are getting that first chance to do that and maybe a lot of feelings and things are coming up again using your own words of being free there may be this feeling of being free but you're still not free because in your own head there's all these restrictions you put on yourself sure absolutely absolutely you're absolutely right yeah so, I mean, I would consider going to therapy to talk through all of these things because there seems like there's a lot going on. Plus, again, I know you said you never really loved him, though, you know, using your own words, but you were with someone 46 years and they passed away just a few months ago. So there's probably a lot you're going through. So if you've not been in therapy, I'd recommend going to talk about all these things and especially to talk about these feelings you're having. Uh, and I hope that one day you do get to even express them or experience them and realize they're not something bad and they can be quite okay and to not feel bad about them but have you thought about going to therapy uh in fact i have an appointment on monday good good uh, i found a lady therapist okay good i'm very happy she's, that you're uh, doing that yeah she is from uh, pakistan so she's kind of like uh, close to our culture so mm-hmm. that's why i picked her and i heard that she's very good so i'm gonna go on you know okay good i'm glad you made that appointment what made you want to make an appointment to see someone um, because, first of all, because I know that I'm going through the grief, but I'm not going mm-hmm. through the right way, and um, I'm having some dreams and, and, and some kind of, you know, um, some not very uh, pleasant, uh, scary dreams and everything. Mm. So um, that's first, and then second, this urges that I have. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm, you know, I made the appointment, but... 
this uh, doctor lady. So Good. I'm going to go. Yes. I'm very happy that you did. I think that's great to, to look at all of those things, but especially to um, to grieve his loss. But then it's also about embracing your life and yourself and the things you want. And it seems like for your whole marriage, you never got those needs met. And although you might have felt disappointed about that, what you're sharing about how you feel about sex, maybe in some ways it felt okay for you or comfortable for you to not have that sexual relationship because you had your own judgments and it kept you from having to face that. But now here you are when you have been freed, as you put it yourself, and now you can experience those things. And now there's some guilt or some mixed feelings that are coming up related to that. And it's, so it's good for you to, to, to work through those things. And I'm glad you're going to see that therapist. Very happy to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and thank you so much for taking my phone call. And of course. I was very nice talking to you. Wish you all the best. Take care. Thank you so much. Doctor. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, reach our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, thanks for calling. Um, thanks. Uh, I was calling because I actually, um, I'm a little confused about a relationship that I'm in. Okay. And I don't know if it's because I have high expectations or it's because I'm not seeing the big picture or what it is exactly. So I just wanted to get some, like, uh, expert advice, I okay. guess. Okay. Sure, I'll, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll find you an expert, but for now I'll tell you what I think. But yeah, <laughs> let me know about I what's heard going you're on. An expert. <laughs> well, I'll try my best. Let me know what's going on. How old are you? How old is uh, the person in your relationship with? How long have you guys been dating? I am 28. He is 30. And we've been dating for about eight months, eight okay. to nine months. All right. Yeah. All right. So where's the, where's the confusion or what is it that you're confused about? So it's just like his behavior, like the way he acts. Like I really feel like he does not want to be in a relationship or he's not really like ready. Um, it's just his behaviors cause me to believe that he's not really there, mm-hmm. that he feels the other way. Like when I address this to him, he says that like, no, like I really like you. I really want to be in this relationship. And like he says that he's really happy and all of that stuff, but I just don't see it. Okay. So what are, when you say some of his behaviors, what is it that he does that makes you feel that way? For example, like he doesn't call, right? I am huge on communication. He rarely calls me. He texts me like every two, three hours later. He's getting better. Like now he does call, whereas before he hated calling. Mm -hmm. So, but it's like when he calls, it's like everything is scheduled, you know, it's like, okay, hey, let's talk. So can you talk at this time? And I don't like that. It's like, if you want to talk to me, call me. And he doesn't really do that. It's like, if he scheduled it, then he'll call me. Mm-hmm. And same thing goes like with seeing me. Like, let's say he saw me today, then he's not going to see me tomorrow because it's scheduled that way. And uh, I mean, has he said he that to you? It, has he said we shouldn't see each other two days in a row or I don't? No, he hasn't specifically said that. But like, if I say, hey, um, let's see each other again today. Well, he never asked me, first of all, like, He's never once told me two days in a row to see me. And if I ask, like, 
he puts other things first, like, oh, I have to go to the gym, I have to go do this, or I have to go see my family. You know, I don't feel like I'm a priority. And uh, when, you know, he didn't show me that he wants me by, like, saying, I miss you, let's see each other. It's like, it seems like it's so planned. And hmm. it bugs me because it's like, I feel like it's not natural. Okay. And uh, yeah. even when he does see me, like, he never says, when's the next time I'm going to see you? Like, he never does that, you know? Okay, so it seems like you want more time with him, but also you want to feel more wanted and desired by him, and you don't feel that. Exactly. And things feel very mechanical, like, and too planned out. What does he do as far as work? He is an engineer. Okay, that's uh, that might be the, the the most perfect answer you could have given me to that question. Yeah, so it seems like he likes things very structured and planned out, and you know, there's a right and a wrong, and you know, things should go a certain way. Okay, so maybe that yeah. could be part of it, part of his personality. Does he is he that way in his personality overall? Very engineer like in the way he thinks about things and talks about things. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Okay, so it could be part of just how he is that he. The, the spontaneity or things not being structured, he doesn't like very well. And then what do you do? I am a financial advisor. Okay. It seems like it was hard for you to say that. <laughs> I'm going in between a couple of different fields right now. That's okay. Why. <laughs> okay. I, was, I wasn't sure if it was something you didn't want to share and then you just said something. Okay. So he's an engineer. You're, uh, you know, you're a financial advisor. He seems very engineer-like in how he's communicating it doesn't mean all engineers are going to be that way he might also have some like ocpd qualities uh, like obsessive compulsive personality disorder liking things to always be structured and there's always a right and a wrong and you have to do things a particular way and that might make him a little more rigid and it seems like you don't like that and specifically it makes you feel like you, he doesn't like you very much now when you tell him that what does he say um he gets defensive, and sometimes he understands, sometimes he gets defensive. Like, sometimes we'll have conversations, and I, I feel like he gets it, mm -hmm. um, but it's just, he does it again. He, he, does, he does it for a day or two. He's not very consistent, you know, so if I address, like, this is bothering me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes he'll be defensive. We won't get anywhere. Sometimes he'll understand, and he'll fix it. But the next two, three days, it's the same thing. Okay, so it's like short term. It does. He doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Let me ask you a different question. What is it that you, from the beginning, and and still, what is it that attracted you to him? Uh, I don't know. I was okay. just uh, going with the flow, I guess. <laughs> okay, that that's not a great start. But I mean, what is it that you liked about him that made you want to continue? And even what is it right now that you like about him? Um, he's a good person, you know, he's very, um, he's very, like, caring, I guess, and, well, sometimes, he's a nice person, I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I'd have to think about this. Yeah, well, and that, that itself is, is an issue for me, because as much as you're saying you think he doesn't like you very much, the way you're talking about him is as if you don't like him very much. I don't know. Like, I think I do like him because we've gone through a lot, like, up and down where I stuck around and, you know, I was trying to make it work. But I think I've gotten to the point where I'm like, why? Like, what is there something that, like, 
I'm doing wrong? Like, am I not? I don't know. Like, I was just thinking position or maybe I'm just confused and maybe I want him because, I don't know, like, because I he says he wants me and stuff like that. So maybe I'm thinking that's why, but I don't, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of I don't know. You don't know what attracted you to him. That's why I was saying yeah. I'm so confused. Yeah, which I'm, get, you know, I'm definitely feeling that, but it's interesting. I mean, you're still choosing to be with him, and mm-hmm. um, but it's still not clear as to why. Even you said, when you said we've been through a lot, which in and of itself I wouldn't say is a reason to stay with someone, and even the way you expanded on that was to say, I've put up with a lot or I've kind of, I've had to deal with a lot for, to kind of be with him, but that's not a good thing either. So it's not like you guys went through some stressful things together or you had a hard time and he helped you out. It was just that you feel like you have to tolerate a lot to be with him. That's not, that's not something that, that's a reason to stay with someone. So I'm still missing what you want or what you like from this relationship and why you even want him to like you to, to shift gears a little bit. Tell me a bit about your own parents. My parents mm-hmm. and their relationship. Uh, they have a great relationship. They're very uh, loving. My my dad's always been like a good example of how a husband should be. They have like a very healthy relationship as far as family goes, like my parents and everything. Okay, and how how is your relationship with your parents? Great. We share everything. Well, most things, and we're very like. Uh, like we have a very good relationship. Okay, and then tell me about your dad. Like, personality-wise? Personality-wise? He's funny. He's funny. He's caring. He's very, like, uh, he's always there for us. Um, He's sick right now, so that's, like, an issue as far as, like, him being outgoing stuff. But he used to be very outgoing, and Mm. um, he talks to us about stuff and always gives us advice and things like that. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. What is he going through? Uh, Oh, He's, he had, like, um, some health problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I, I yeah. wish him the best in that. I hope that, you know, he gets better soon. Um, okay. Is there any way your boyfriend reminds you of your dad? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Very different. Okay. There, yeah, there's something interesting about, you know, I get the feeling you're not getting what you want in this relationship, but you're accepting it for some reason. Um, it does make me think of issues related to self-esteem and how you value yourself. And then maybe you're not valuing yourself enough and you're just accepting someone who says they like you and you'll take what they'll give you. But that's kind of the the feeling I get. Does that make sense to you when I say that? Do you feel that way that maybe you're not giving yourself enough value or expecting enough from him? No, I expect a lot from him. Hmm. And that's why I think we've been getting a lot into lots of fight, uh, arguments because I say this is what I want and we, you know, it frustrates me. And sometimes instead of being a little bit like um, telling him directly this is what needs to happen, I get very like uh, closed off. I just I just close myself off. And so that frustrates him because he's like, why don't you share with me what's going on? But it's like I feel like I'm talking to a wall sometimes. So it's like, how can I? when I do share, but it doesn't happen, Hmm. you know? And I'm, I think I, the reason I am like there is because I'm thinking maybe it could work out. Maybe, you know, we just have to try and see eye to eye and be more understanding of each other. And I feel like that's one of the reasons I'm 
still there, you know? Hmm. Okay. And initially, like, um, I think I felt like he was somebody that was uh, maybe on the same page as me, and the things he said, I felt like we saw eye to eye, but I, as time went on, I feel different, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and he says that his, it's his personality, like he doesn't call, like he doesn't text, but he still misses me and, you know, I should know that, like he doesn't need to assure me, but for me, I'm well, more of a person about action. So well, yeah, th- like well, everyone is more about action, you know, at the end of the day, and that's important, and, you know, him saying that is nice, but you want to feel that and see that, and when we're with someone, we want to make sure they feel loved by us, and that's... Um, important for us to show love in a way they feel loved this is the concept of five love languages and that people can feel loved in different ways so we might think we're showing them love but to them it might not be how they internalize it and it seems like clearly you don't feel very loved by him or you don't get that love tank filled up by him in the way he treats you and it might just be his personality but it could be possible that you guys just your personalities don't match very well mm-hmm. so um, if you can accept it, that that's how he is, it, it could work out, but it seems like it's hard for you to feel good in this relationship and to feel that he's going to make changes that you want him to make to make you feel better. And so that, that is an issue. And I'm still struck by the fact that you couldn't tell me why you like him. I mean, you know, so even if I ask, you know, why do you want to be with him now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would have to think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, and when I brought up the issue related to, to self-esteem, it almost seems like you've picked someone who's going to disappoint you. So maybe there's something there of almost it's easier to pick someone who you know is going to let you down um, and to continue staying with them and continue getting let down. But there's just something still odd for me that, you you know, it's hard for you to say why you want to be with him. It's hard for you to say why you were attracted to him or what attracted you to him. I mean, you said he was a good person, but that's very generic. Um, there's not necessarily much there. That's not the basis of a relationship. So there's a lot that seems to be missing that I'm not sure exactly what's going on. And even maybe as much as you're saying he's creating the distance, maybe you are comfortable with that distance too and it's easier to blame it on him so it's very complex what's going on so i get what you're saying by being confused um but i'm still i'm also confused trying to figure out what Mm -hmm. you why you even want things to work out with him yeah i think you're you're right it is very complex because it's like uh i'm not very good at like articulating my feelings and stuff so i think it's like um yeah i would have to be able to express that to you in order for for you to understand it better. Yeah. And of course, even not just about me, more importantly with him, maybe, right. you know, if you're talking this way with me, maybe you don't make it always so clear to him what exactly you want or what's missing. Uh, and then, you know, he, especially with him, he probably needs to be made very clear to him what you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. I've actually sat down. I've thought I've uh, collected my thoughts and then I was able to like explain it to him. Okay. But, yeah. But it just, it seems like he either doesn't want to or he can't give you what you want. And that's something for you to really think, you know, heavily about. That what What is it that's keeping me here if he's not giving me what I want? And again, if he says, I miss you, but I don't tell you and you should just know, that's not going to work. You know, so you mm-hmm. have to let him know that for me, just you saying you miss me, if I don't hear it and feel it from you, it doesn't mean much. And it doesn't to anyone. We need to know that. So, um, 
there's definitely some concerns I have with the relationship. I'm sure you do too, obviously, but when you don't know what you want and why you want to be with someone, those aren't good signs about the relationship. And so it's important for you rather than just focusing on why doesn't he give me what I want to ask yourself the question, why do I want this? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's not something that you can answer right now. And that should be the bigger question. Even if he wants you 100% and gave you everything you want, but you don't want to be with him, then that's something you, you really should think about. Right. It's also like, I think um, he has done like a lot of things where like, um, where he tries to show me. So like, if I've told him, I don't feel this way. So he does little things here and there to show me, but I feel like it's not enough. You know? Yeah, I mean, little things. It's good. I'm, I, you know, definitely I'm in no way trying to point him out as a bad guy. He seems like he's actually very nice, but just a little bit maybe colder as far as how he expresses himself compared to what you. it seems like you want. Uh, and that seems to be an issue. And so it's not an issue if he's never done anything good or he's never been nice to you or given you what you wanted. It's it if it's consistently there. And so you're saying maybe your expectations are too high. That's possible. But you need to communicate with him to say what you want and see what he's willing to give you and then come to a place that either it's going to work out or it's not. But I think you have to get clarity on your side before we focus just on him. So you have to be able to answer the question, this is what I want, this is why I want to be with him, and this is why I want to have this relationship keep going forward. But if you can't answer those questions, then you really should ask yourself, why am I fighting so hard to keep this alive, keep this going? Also, um, I, okay, I get that, but also, like, do you, is this, like, normal if somebody doesn't call you and doesn't see you often, but, like, they say they want to, but they just, they don't? Is that normal? Like, I mean, I was always under the impression that, like, if somebody really misses you, they'll call you. They don't need to think twice about picking up the phone. Or if somebody wants to see you, they'll come and see you, you know? Yeah, and well, when you know, as far as normal, I mean, the thing is people, there's different types of personalities. Some people, you know, maybe he's the kind of person who doesn't want to get that close to anyone. So he misses you, and he, but he might get overwhelmed by getting close, so he wants to keep a space between you guys, which to you, you don't like that feeling. So maybe he actually does miss you and maybe wants to see you, but thinks it's better not to see you. I don't know what's going on in his head to tell you, what exactly he's thinking but you're right i mean if someone tells you they want to see you 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 want to see that expressed by them showing that either coming to see you making plans telling you that and it seems like you don't get that from him until you tell him to basically tell you if he misses you or not or to to you know show it to you in that way so it just seems like there's things that he does or things that he doesn't do that really bother you which might mean that you guys just are not a match i think I'm not saying you are not, but I want you to think about that because his personality seems to be this way. I think he may be, maybe he's telling you the truth or maybe you're right. He doesn't want something serious, but he thinks he does. It's hard to say, but clearly he's not giving you what you want and you should listen to that and not downplay that. But also the part I again will bring up is that you have to figure out what you want because I think that's not clear either. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, good luck. But, you know, like I said, for me, the most important thing is you knowing what you want and what you're looking for. And then once you have clarity there, it'll be a lot easier for you to either see if you can get it from him or or not, and then make that decision. Okay. All right. so nice talking. You have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Going to our last commercial break. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delacqui. We'll be right back. 
back. Let's go to our next caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Actually, uh, I have a question. Um, I, I want to introduce myself first. My, oh. I'm uh, 36 years old and my husband is 38. And I have a six-month-old baby girl. And uh, actually, I'm in Canada for five years. And I'm waiting for getting my uh, passport. Um, uh, uh, I did the test, a citizenship test, and, uh, and now I'm waiting for, to call me for the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my uh, actually, uh, our plan, long-term plan, is to go back home and uh, stay there. And my husband now is back home and living there uh, because he's, he has to go to work. They have um, um, business there, um, family business, and he has to be there. And uh, actually, the problem is that uh, I don't know how long do I have to wait uh, and uh, to be in Canada to call me you know, for a ceremony because they haven't even decide, uh, make, made a decision on my um, application because it usually takes less than uh, two weeks for most of the people to make a decision for them. Then they uh, put you in the queue for to go to the ceremony. But uh, I can't uh, um, uh, tell any uh, exact time, mm-hmm. uh, how long does it take, but I can guess. Uh, uh, it, I think in the best case, it can take three to four months from now up to this, uh, uh, five to seven months. Uh, and uh, um, I was wondering what to do. If I go back home and and uh, wait to call me and then uh, come back uh, again with my husband and my daughter and uh, leave for and come for three weeks, for example, for the second time I would become uh, and stay for three weeks and go back home to live forever and uh, uh, go back to so Iran to live forever. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And um, I know uh, this um, uh, going back and forward has a bad um, uh, effect on the baby. Uh, but I was wondering if, um, for example, I'm here alone and I'm 24 hours with the baby, and sometimes I run, a, I don't have much energy, uh, especially in the evening. And uh, I see when I, whenever I go out with my friends and family, uh, uh, um, uh, I see that she is much more happier. She mm-hmm. has more fun. And um, uh, uh, but when I'm uh, with her all the day, she's most nagging she doesn't uh, laugh <laughs> like when I'm going out with my friends and um, yeah. and I, even I think it, uh, uh, being far away from my uh, husband for a long time for example maybe six seven months uh, uh, um, it doesn't have negative effect on uh, my relationship and um, um, I don't know what to do what okay to just so I'm clear so your husband is currently in Iran and yes, he's currently in Iran. He can't come because uh, if he come, um, uh, it, it's not good for their business. Uh, you know, okay. uh, and if, if he comes here, I won't be um, happy because he would be here uh, without any plan, without any um, aim. So it's not good for a man to be here for a month or two months without having anything to do. 
you know. I, well, I, I mean, he would hopefully he would be with you and the baby, and that would be something if it's just uh, maybe for a few weeks or something like that. So if he can come for a little bit, that might not be a bad idea. The, the thing is, it's hard to say what to do because things are not very clear as to when you would be able to come back or what when you have to come back. Yeah. And the going and coming isn't very good. And yes, you're right, the relationship, you and your husband's relationship, but of course, even your baby and him. That's I, I'm even more concerned about that because she's so young. And so she yes. hasn't seen her dad? She has. She, actually, um, I thought you said he was gone uh, for seven I, months. Yes. Actually, he, uh, when, uh, if I want to explain more, uh-huh. uh, the, when uh, she is uh, now six months, okay? When she was two months, he went back home. Without that, they will call me so late for the exam. So, mm-hmm. but they call us. Uh, I had to be back after one uh, one and a half months, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, and I asked the officer, "How long does it take usually?" And he, he said that it, uh, it should be less than three months to call you uh, for the um, ceremony. But it's not. It wasn't true. And I see many of uh, people that uh, they are still uh, waiting for more than when, uh, uh, from the time that the uh, officer made a decision on the uh, um, file. Uh, they, they are still staying for four or five months, and nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. So, but you can't uh, say that. For example, you, you can't um, make a. a no, I understand. Uh, so I, know you, I get no. it. We don't have to get yeah those details. We don't have to to get into. But so he's she's seen him before, which is good. But that's that would yeah, be my concern. When we have a, a video call, I think she recognized that it's his father because she laughs and it seems that she recognized him. Yeah, but you know, video uh, calls not enough. I mean, I would say if he if he can come and it's I know you said it, it might affect their work, but if he can come even just for a few weeks, maybe that would be better than you and the baby going and coming back. Mm-hmm. I think that's so for easier. Example, if, uh, doesn't have, uh, when he goes back home, uh, for example, I'm worried about the separation anxiety. Well, there'll be a pain of separation, but there's already that pain of him not being here. So I think, I think it would be better for him to get to see her and for you guys not have to do all the traveling and come back. And as far as you, and even when you're, when you're in Canada without him, you do need to make sure you're having plans with your friends and doing things because, yeah, if you're stuck all day, just you and her 24 hours a day, it's not going to be good for you or her. So I think you should do that not just if you're in Iran, but even if you're here, making sure you're out or take her to classes where there's other kids and other moms. They have like, you know, kids classes, things like that to make sure you're not just home all day because that's not going to be good, good for either of you. But I think personally him coming might be easier than you going and coming with the baby and not sure when. Um, I know it's hard to make the plan. For a few weeks, and uh, then uh, <laughs> yeah, to see us for a few weeks, and to go back, and so uh, you may you think that it's uh, really it's worth to go back home, all of us, and it would be, ha- have a very bad consequence on the baby if I go back home. I don't want to say very, very like a very bad consequence. But if you ask me which one I think sounds better, is that for her not to travel there and travel back. I don't know if it's necessarily have a huge negative consequence, but I think her not seeing her dad to me is a pretty big consequence, and for well, you and I her. Think if I, I most probably, if I go back home, most probably I would stay there for six to seven months. Do you think if this gap isn't it enough 
between two flights, for example. Oh, well, if it's that long, then that's a little bit different. Yeah, that makes... Then, you know, it's not like you and her going back and forth too much. That that's not that I could see making sense if you can really go there that long. But I know you said it's unpredictable because you don't know when they're going to call you back. I don't think it would be less than four months. Okay. It be less than well, then that's a different thing than, uh, you know, then what else keeps you in Canada? What else do you have there? Um, what else keep me in Canada? It's, <laughs> actually, uh, I can make some plans. I can go to uh, uh, mother and baby classes, but just once a week or even twice a week, but uh, not more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I have uh, uh, one cousin here. I usually go to his um, uh, her home for once a week, and um, uh, but um, I was, because I'm obviously here. Oh, six months it's too long yeah sure no i can understand that's what i was asking it seems like there's not a lot in where you are that keeps you there other than what made you want to even get the is it so that you want to be able to come back to canada at some point in the future Maybe nobody knows, but uh, okay. maybe we, yeah, yeah uh, because it's, their uh, business is uh, very young and they have to be um, in uh, Iran for all all the time. And they, uh, but um, maybe in future, nobody knows what happens. I but see. For now, we don't have any plan to do, uh, come back and stay okay. for long. Well, then, time. if you know, also if that's the case. Then, you know, if you told me you guys were going to live your life in Canada, I'd say, well, the going and coming also makes less sense. But if life is going to be in Iran eventually, then I can understand going there now and already getting established with the baby might not be a bad idea also. So since it mm-hmm. seems like you want to live there, then I, I can understand that going there might make sense. That way you get to be with your husband and the baby gets to be with her dad and you get your whole family and you maybe start establishing yourself and your yeah. life there and before. Even myself, I need to establish Yeah, I get the feeling you're not doing okay in Canada yourself. Yeah. You need maybe more people around you, friends and family too. Yeah. And again, if you told me your life was going to be in Canada, I'd say, well, start establishing yourself there. But if you're not going to be living there, then I don't see really much benefit of you staying there and isolating yourself and your baby from yeah. the rest of the family, especially your husband. So I, I, that I think it makes sense. Now, I, we just about have to get off the air, so I have to wrap up. But yes, there's some stress of having a, a, a six-month-old travel or however old she'll be, but it's it can be okay. I wouldn't say it's a, a reason not to take her if it's going to be for five, six months. That That's very different. And then when you come back, you might come back with your husband too, which will have even more support with her there so yes. i wouldn't make that a big deal but i do have to end the show but i appreciate you calling good luck okay. to you and, and your family okay thank you nice talking well. to you bye-bye thank you bye-bye. all right we've reached the end of today's show thank you to all the callers and listeners and to raman here in the studio you've been listening to in session with dr fatty Halakwi. have a wonderful day Ninety-four.